What is up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh service to debrief in effort to send biblical truth. What better way to do that than the power of conversation? I'm Mark Francis. I'm the in the host seat today. We're without our standard host, Caleb, but we wish him well. He has lots of things going on this week. However, I'm going to turn to my right. The audience is left. We have the lovely Miss Alicia Battaglia. How are you? I'm doing great. And we consider you, you a host, but we consider yeah. you a contributor, <laughs> uh, an analyst, a color commentator. Next to the greenery. Yes. yes. It's great. How are you today? I'm very well. Good. Good. Thank you. Welcome back. You were I'm back. on a little escapade with yeah. your wife. I had so. busy times as well, That's but nice. it's good to get away. And when you get away, you feel a little refreshed, but you also feel... And you come home and you're wow, overwhelmed. There's a lot of things <laughs> happening in my life, so it's okay. But that's why we have these conversations to center us and get us closer to Christ through his word, <laughs> where we can then be reminded we have to put our dependency in him, right? Amen. So Amen. we have Mr. Morrison, John Morrison with us here. Good to be back. Your, your official title is Pastor of Biblical Counseling. Right. Okay. Right. Yep. And, uh, you know, we haven't really talked too much about it, and we'll have plenty of time, but I know there's the announcement that there's uh, an end time happening. And um, I, I listened to the podcast last week, and we didn't really cover that with you, so I just yep. figured I'd put that out there for the world to, yep. to say, yep. do you have any kind of initial thoughts about that right now that you want to pass yeah, on to the congregation? Yeah, well, it's a, uh, it is a big deal. Uh, we've been here 28 years, and um, through a lot of prayer and... Uh, a lot of uh, just laying things before the Lord, it became pretty apparent to us, to Diane and me actually on the same night, that's kind of a weird thing, um, a few couple of months ago, right at the beginning of the summer, that um, next spring would be the end for me here, uh, that I would work up through the end of May, and then um, I plan to retire from full-time ministry at that point. Mm. I'm, I mean, I'm only... I'll be 66 the end of this year, so it's, I'm, I'm young enough, but there's been enough slipping physically and mentally mm -hmm. that um, I just noticed that the stress of ministry um, accumulates more rapidly and more impactfully uh, to my health. And so mm -hmm. what I would like to do is do some writing and uh, do a little part-time work. I'm not even sure what I'll be doing yet. Uh, maybe something in the area of writing like editing or proofreading or something, but do some kind of part-time work and serve in whatever local church we get mm. committed to in mm -hmm. terms of helping where I can. But I I'm, I'm, don't plan to be um, on a church staff or anything uh, just because we've got three kids and five grandkids in Texas, and we're planning to move to Texas, yeah. and we'd like to be able to have access to see them as mm -hmm. well as to serve the Lord in whatever capacity. But um, we're looking forward to it, and at the same time, uh, boy, if ever the word bittersweet was right, mm. yeah. this is it. Sweet to anticipate a reduction in stress. Sweet to imagine being near our kids and grandkids. And we have 50 family members in the state of Texas. Uh, so it'll be nice, that part. But my sakes, uh, what Fellowship Bible Church has meant to our family is um, impossible to adequately describe. All well, and what you have contributed to Fellowship Bible Church as well. No. And I... <laughs> We I've are incredibly this, yeah. grateful. Yeah, I'll let you go first, Alicia. Yeah, I mean, for just what you have poured into uh, so many lives. And um, there's much that you do behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And then there's much that you do on a one-on-one -on -one basis and just working through 
issues with people and um, bringing that Godward biblical perspective into people's lives. And then your teaching in the pulpit on Sunday mornings is such a gift to us. So thank you for investing yep. in us, yep. and we get to reap the benefits. Wow. Yep. And you get your you get your burnt orange shirt on today. You yeah, you're, you you're looking big in Texas. Texas over there. I, thank you for picking up on that, Mark. Yeah, I, I finally, after that debacle a couple of weeks ago against Arkansas, we had a little something to smile about this weekend. Yeah, a, so it was a good weekend. Right. I, I, I had in mourning, I, I laid orange aside for a couple of weeks because of that Arkansas game. Just to get it on the camera here for all of us watching and listening. Yes. So, but yes, thank you for all the things. And I think I've said this many times to you. I, there's no way I could do what you do. I mean, there is just takes a special gift to, to work through the needs. And I see your passion oozing through the sermons last week and this week as well. And, and how it leads. And it's neat to hear that you have a peace with this decision, mm -hmm. yeah. um, but yeah. talking about peace and being yeah. at peace with others yeah. is the crux of where we are being in this overflow sermon series right. that really is the overflow focus for the whole three months. Yes, yeah. And just, I'm sure it's a challenge to just pin down one, one another. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, yeah. walk us through before we dive into a recap. And before mm -hmm. we do that, I'm curious if you can explain kind of the, the thought process that went behind the scenes with you guys, Avery mm -hmm. and 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 you and Mark Carey, maybe others of thinking about these four weeks, how did you hone in on this piece with one yeah. another being the two week focus that is for your sermons for it, that it became? Um, well, really, um, it, it's sort of two stages. Uh, John Avery and his group had gotten together to say, what does this focus need to be? And and um, so they really felt led to this idea of overflowing. The life of Christ in us becomes something that's meant to pour into someone else. Now, yeah. how can we articulate that? Right. And so in John's discussions with Mark, this is part of the first part, uh, first part being that they decided, okay, we're going to do something on this overflowing idea. Mm -hmm and specifically overflowing from the life of Jesus, Mark and John came to the conclusion, well, then what we really need to do is try to stick in the Gospels, mm -hmm. since all but one, I think, of the one and others are in the epistles. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to focus on the one and others, normally you, you would be spending your time in the epistles. Mm -hmm. But they were specifically thinking about the life of Jesus, how his life in us is something that is meant to brim to overflow. Hmm. And um, uh, that that brim to overflow idea needed to be the focus, and therefore it needed to be a focus in the Gospels, needed to be a focus on the life of Christ. So that was the parameter that Mark and Good. John gave me. And they came to me in about June and said, would you mind preaching a couple of times in the fall for the overflowing series? And we want you to take it from the life of Jesus but focus on the one another's. And I thought, well, that's going to be tricky because <laughs> Jesus doesn't talk about the one another's in the same way the epistles do. Right. Um, but the, the one that came to my mind right away, I mean, that week, just in the course of praying was, well, we, we all, all of us who are Christians have some foundational reality in our life about the person of Christ and the fact that we've been forgiven and the fact that Others are forgiven, but what I guess maybe this is the fact that I've spent so much of my ministry in the area of counseling, mm -hmm. I just realized there are a lot of Christians, a lot of times, that we carry loads on us 
on our heart about relationships and that we're not fundamentally at peace with each other. Mm -hmm. We're not fundamentally at peace with in ourselves and we're not fundamentally at peace with the Lord. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so as I thought and prayed about that for a week or two, I told the guys, I wrote an email back to them and said, you know, I don't know what it'll look like. I don't know what passages, but I think the focus is going to be two parts on peace. And one will be the value of peace and the necessity of peace. And, and, and um, I don't think I knew at that time that forgiveness would be a mm. big part. Mm. And then the second part would be a little bit about what do we do to actually pursue it. So It's helpful to hear that because yeah. one of the questions, which we actually have some submissions um, okay. of questions for today that we'll mm -hmm. get to, but I'm going to pause on those questions because I also want to turn to Alicia to get a recap and hear if there's anything that you might have missed saying. But hold that thought because okay. that answer you just gave is helpful to oh, answering good. Good. one of our questions. Great. So Alicia, just give us a quick recap of kind of what you gleaned from the sermon and then we'll turn back to John. Well, it was a, an excellent continuation from last week where we talked about pursuing peace and um, the fact that we have access to the Father, that He is our source of peace. Mm -hmm. and um, But relationally, we still offend one another. We still have mm. issues. And yeah. so in light of that, we because we do have peace and access to the Father, we're not going to hold grudges against people. Right. That's not what we're called to do. Uh, that, um, but what we, we can, we can glorify God in two ways. One, uh, is overlooking an offense, which mm -hmm. was the Proverbs mm -hmm. 1911. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. a man's word to overlook an offense. Um, and just maybe stay silent, show grace. Um, or we could, um, glorify God and confront the situation, be willing to step into that conflict. And that's where we looked at this Matthew 7, 1 through 6 passage and um, wrestling through judgment. Well, well, we're told not to judge, but there's other times when we actually are <laughs> told to judge. And yeah. How do we wrestle through that? And then there's this beam, this log that we have in our eye that we have to remove before we could ever begin to pull the speck out of our brother's eye. Yes. Um, yes. And so I just thought you brought a really lot of excellent points to the table. It's very, very convicting. And <laughs> I found myself <laughs> wrestling with just my own judgmental heart. And, um, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. overall, the purpose is for us to be restored to yes. God and to one another yes. relationally. Yes. Yeah, I, I felt convicted also. And and as you know, John, Alicia and I are in the same community group, and we wrestled with many things. Yeah. But even this morning, I had a conversation with a friend who had a conversation with a friend about the sermon and how she felt convicted mm. <laughs> through that, especially with your analogies and stories and role-playing mm -hmm. of families, mm -hmm. which I really appreciate, by the way. Mm -hmm. It's refreshing to have mm -hmm. that specific mm -hmm. examples. Yeah. We can all identify. Yes, we can identify <laughs> with. Yeah. But... Mm -hmm. The friend pointed her friend to be like, instead of feeling convicted, can you feel encouraged? Yeah. You know, yeah, can you feel, you know, empowered and encouraged to yeah. say, okay, if maybe you're not doing it right now, then yeah. how can you feel encouraged to say in oh, the situation man. to what still then go to, to God? So that's just a quick little excerpt well, actually, of how, some of the conversations that are happening I around to church right now. I think that actually came up um, after Saturday night. Hmm. Diane said something. Um, she had come to the Saturday night FSAT service. And so she was talking about it a little bit, and she said something about the same thing about conviction. Hmm. And um, I, and it was funny. Uh, 
but but what occurred to me after that as I was kind of chewing on the whole thing is conviction um, many times I hear that word and and it and it almost sounds like an end in and of itself hmm. and it's not meant to be no, right in fact if it is that is the word you'll hear two weeks later now to hear it one day later or two later days later that's normal. Hmm. But if the main thing someone thinks two weeks later is convicting, they missed it. Because yeah. convicting, and I actually had this line in my sermon, but I don't think it came out in any of the three sermons. Um, but maybe if it did, it, was, it would have only come out in the last one, maybe. Um, but I really look at conviction now as an invitation from God to bounce off of the diving board of conviction into the swimming pool of God's grace. Mm-hmm. That it's really when I get convicted, instead of just going, oh, there I go again, which is really a focus on me. Yeah. Rather, Lord, there it is again. There is that need that I have for your grace. And so I want to thank you for the conviction because I know it's never meant to be an end in and of itself. It's meant to be an invitation. And so let me just spring Hmm. into your grace right now, Hmm. the way you would off of a diving board, and use that conviction moment as a very temporary thing. People don't stand on diving boards for long. Yeah, You know, they're... They're getting into the water and They're it's just a around. means to an end. And really, it's the same with conviction. It's a means <laughs> to an end. It's not a place to remain. And I think <laughs> that you're that, you that brought that out with the yes. with the story of the woman in the well, and um, yeah. when yep. when Jesus brought her sin to light, she saw it and then she confessed her sin. Yes. But rather than feeling condemnation. She felt freedom, That's and it. she's uh, she sees him as Messiah. She That's sees it. him a, of a place of rescue and peace and where her forgiveness is yes. found. And yes. I think that is what can encourage our hearts when we look at a passage yeah. like oh, that. Go like, from conviction to encouragement. Man, I tell you, yeah. if, I, if there was one thing that I could ever dream a sermon to do would be to help us as believers to see the grace of God that is wrapped in conviction such that within... 24 hours of that conviction, we really can call it an encouragement. Mm. Mm. Because, because it's an invitation to what God offers. What you also just shared so quickly that we should probably elaborate on some more is that when you stew in conviction, yeah. you're then self-focused. Yeah, that's right. And and that's that exactly. can be applied to many different that's things exactly. when you're looking at judging others. And yeah. I've heard you, you hinted at that in the sermon. Yeah. Other, yeah. You're, you're consistently looking at others in a way that says, I could do better or yeah. I'm... I would never have done that. And mm-hmm. it's a complete self-focused yes. inward look. Yes. That is a sin. Yes. <laughs> That's the yes. selfish way of looking at yes. things. So how can we consistently get our thoughts off of ourselves and look at others. And that's the heart of the focus, mm-hmm. to, to be one, to, to love one another, to serve one another think, and get I it off just, of ourselves. When you said that, I know it sounded like you said it almost um, rhetorically. Rephrase it for because me. You, well, no, no, <laughs> you said, you said it's almost like how can we get our eyes off of ourselves and onto others. Right. But I think that, I think the key is if it becomes, I've got to think of others, I've got mm. to think of others, I've got to think of others. I think we can only do that for a little bit. It's like holding your breath. Yeah, yeah. You can only right. do that. You can only come up with that conscious, I got to do right, I got to do right for so long. To me, the neat thing is if I can turn conviction, if I can actually, somebody said recently, they were talking about a difficulty with a spouse and they said, we, we came up with a signal to let each other know when this was happening. 
so that it would stop the conversation. We go, oh yeah, we're in that area <laughs> that we don't handle well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to be more careful. Well, the mm-hmm. same way that conviction for me, and I was about 50 the first time this ever came to me, but I realized I had been fighting conviction my whole life. I mean, like I was just like, gosh, there I go again. Gosh, there I go again. Mm. It would make me mad at me Mm. until the Lord through a number of events and biblical passages increasingly brought me to a place around the age of 50 where he said, John, um, my conviction is my invitation. Mm. It's an invitation into the more of me that you need. And it's always a pathway of grace. Mm. So that when I would get convicted, there would still be that wince, you know, that, oh, I don't like that about me. But but it became more like an almost like a word association test where convicted swimming pool. You need that for sanctification. You do. Without it, it, there's no growth. That's it. Yeah. And that's uh, so conviction is good, people, for for a time. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) And and then look to Christ and have him have the spirit allow you to grow through it. That's right. That's right. So, Which, this, by the way, I think it's supposed to go on every time we have the Lord's Supper. I hmm. believe that's meant hmm. that's meant to be the opportunity at the Lord's Supper for that hmm. to happen. Hmm. This and is all it, great. It, it exalts God's mercy. It, it, he gets the glory for that uh, yes. because it, that's and yeah. that's what it's all about. Yep, bringing Him glory. <laughs> well, let's let's just go to the segment that we like to go to the the teaching pastor of the week and say was I mean forty minutes seems like a long time. Yeah. But when you go through a content like this, you, you could go hours. So what do you feel like that was just an important thing that was either missed or you wanted to rephrase or was just on the cutting room floor? Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably the one that played over in my head a lot that I, that I thought um, it's going to come up for people. Uh, is what do you do when the person doesn't respond? Mm, right. What, what do you do when that mother talks to that boy and the boy hardens his heart to his mom and dad when they come back together or something like that? And, um, and part of the difficulty that I have in realizing that not only 40 minutes isn't enough, but even if I had an hour and 40 minutes, there's so many circumstances, so many different issues that people encounter that you really can't globally say, here's the exact thing to do when someone doesn't respond. And so it, it, that, could, that could go on forever trying to talk about that. But I think a few of the principles that stand out to me that I would hope would come through um, either from this passage or just from people's chewing on these things uh, that, that we talked about were... One, if a person hardens their heart and you have done what you know to do, realize you're in really good company. And and what I mean by that is um, if they are hardened to you and you have handled the situation in a loving way and in a straightforward way where you haven't been controlled by your fear or by your anger, then I can tell you they're doing the same thing to God. That's just a fact. Mm -hmm. If... If you bring truth that you have vetted spiritually, you've handled, you've dealt with the beam in your eye and all the other, if you bring something to that person and they give the hard stiff arm, the shift of blame and all that, and and you do everything you know and it still ends up there, just join the club because they're doing that to the Lord in some way. So you pray, Mm -hmm. Lord, I want to pray that she or he... um, 
will hear you in your in your time. And so that's one thing is realize you're in good company. A second thing is realize that um, uh, sometimes people think, well, I just didn't do it well enough. I I should you know I I should say it again. Mm-hmm. Um, I should say it a third different way. That's not the issue. Um, if you have prepared yourself and you bring it as clearly as you can, and and they stiff arm, um, it isn't fundamentally you. It's fundamentally something between hmm. them and the Lord. Hmm. And part of what we need to do is be able to to let that go for a time. Release Sometimes it. it's a time issue because yeah. every once in a while I'll see somebody will come back even months later and say, you know what? I think what you said back in May is really true. Hmm. It took me a while to get my hands around it, but or you know, my to kind of grasp it, but I think there was some truth to that. And hmm. so I've got to uh, do that. And and the only thing I didn't say in the sermon, or I, I maybe alluded to but didn't address, but it's connected to this, is remember that that is part of the role of the church. Mm-hmm. When we read in Matthew 18 that if there's a, a brother has sinned and, um, and and you go to that brother in, in private, that's obviously for offenses that are too great to overlook. Mm -hmm. You go to them in private, then it says bring two or three more with you that they might be witnesses, and then you address it again in front of these two people. And in the event that they, quote, don't listen to them, you tell it to the church, which Mm -hmm. our church takes as you tell it to the elders, and the elders as representative of the church can um, involve themselves in the matter to in in in, the, in order to uh, encourage repentance. Right. And so I think it's important for us to realize that these things that they, they really are fundamentally the Lord's battle. Um, and and I, we, we as you were talking, it, it too much. that two verses came to mind. But I I think about how we need to be mindful of the providence and sovereignty of God in these yeah. situations. Yeah. Um, and in Matthew uh, 10, when Jesus is talking to his uh, 12 disciples, uh, starting in verse 14, he says, And if anyone will not receive you or listen to, to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave the house or the town. So there's like, okay, I've done my best. I'm just going to leave it now yeah. and trust the Lord with that. And then also... In 1 Corinthians uh, 15, uh, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding Mm. in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Yes. So even though we might not see results, our labor is not in vain if we're doing the Lord's work. That's right. Well, I have a a quick story to share, and hopefully she'll be okay with this. In our community group last night, there was a really encouraging story and testimony from a lady in our group that has a struggle with her father, mm-hmm. uh, alcoholic, and just it, the tension that it creates in the family. He doesn't live in town, so mm-hmm. it's remote. But these last two weeks and the sermons have been encouraging to her. Mm-hmm. And she admitted kind of the growth that she's made through understanding the scripture and mm-hmm. how she's called to be at peace mm-hmm. with her father. Mm-hmm. And and essentially she admitted over time she was trying to change him, yeah. change his alcoholism. Yeah. And say, stop doing what you're doing. Yeah. And instead, now she is turning to say, I'm just praying for him so that he can know God yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah. And that would then be the answer yeah. to all the problems. Yeah. Right. And so to, to, to take that step um, from her was just encouraging testimony to share with our group. And as a say, result, she's experiencing peace in her she's heart. She's been experiencing peace. There you go. Yeah. Isn't that great? And Isn't that great? Praise she, the Lord. She was sharing how she was... Uh, 
on the phone with her mom and she was aware that her father was drunk at the time and normally her response is to be angry yes. about that yes. mm -hmm. but she said this last conversation wow. she wasn't yep. wow. and she was experiencing the peace from yes, the lord yes, yes, in that yes. situation so it's just so neat to see like this is yeah. a tangible example of yeah. the holy spirit at work. that's right and the interesting thing about that that we don't even know is in the spiritual realm the realm where these conversations are going to have any impact for good, our being at peace opens the door for the Lord to actually speak through us. Whereas when we're filled with anger and resentment, understandably for the things people do or fail to do, um, when we do that, we really do block the movement of the Holy Spirit. And when mm -hmm. we're at rest, it's mm -hmm. like we can be quiet when we need to be quiet. We can speak when we need to speak. And we start realizing the battle is really the Lord's. And I think the best, one of the best pictures for me, this was like a aha for me was, I've obviously been for a long time in the part of ministry that involves a lot of face-to-face -face with people. And I sometimes would find myself getting really angry at people's lack of response. Mm -hmm. one, one time to the point I stood up on, on, a, on my chair and I, <laughs> oh, I literally stood up on my chair and I, and I uh, um, you know, pled with this guy, but really yelled at him. Um, that's really the truth. And then another time years ago, back in Houston, I remember getting on my knees and, and like just begging this person. And when I did, uh, our, our elder at the church in Houston didn't realize that that was my counseling office now. It used to be something else. And he walked in right in the middle. Oh, no. I'm on my knees like this. This other person's in this chair. And I'm like, okay, now this is really awkward. Um, <laughs> But anyway, the, 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 thing that, the thing that really that the Lord used to help me was when I saw Moses at the end of the 40 years, the reason he didn't get to go into the land was because when he, you know, you remember he was told to strike the rock for, uh, at the beginning of the Once, journey, yeah. strike the rock and the water would flow. Yep. And then he's told to speak to the rock. Mm -hmm. And instead he beats the rock and says, why do I have to keep putting up, putting up with you people? Basically, his message was, I'm sick and tired of your failure to respond, but he personalized it. Mm -hmm. And God said, it's against me and not you mm -hmm. that they disobeyed. And so because of your, I don't remember if he called it rebellion, but because of what you did, you won't go into the land. Mm -hmm. And I realized that in a sense, the going into the land is the place of obtaining our peace with God. And he was withheld that because he allowed thinking his ability to lead the people, it was up to him to get the response. And mm -hmm. what I need to be able to do is speak to the rock, so to speak. Mm -hmm. If a person is hard-hearted, I'm speaking to the rock. And uh, if God makes it happen, water will come out of the rock. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's, neat. it's kind of a neat picture. So that's a, that's a good segue to some of the other things that we were okay. working through last night in our small group was uh, this idea of judgment. And um, so we have judged not that you be not judged for with the judgment you, you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it will be measured to you. And so some questions we were having is that uh, judgment between um, and other mankind or is that judgment from God? And then uh, another passage that came to mind in thinking about judgment is from Romans 2. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because mm -hmm. you, the judge, 
practice the very same things. Yeah. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who do such things. Mm -hmm. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who do such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Yes. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's judge God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So are there definite connections in these passages? Mm. How um, great, great question. Can you maybe draw out the judgment aspect well, the first of that. One, the first one, I wrestled with that and, and I couldn't find anything that could let me know whether he was referring to the judgment of man or the judgment of God when mm. it says you'll be judged in like manner. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I assume that it is God because unless he's saying there's a spiritual law in the universe that when you apply this, I'm going to see to it someone does it, which is possible, but it seems more likely that you're, that you are, in the words of Romans 2, you are incurring wrath because in, in ways you judge people, you deserve to be judged yourself because you're guilty of the same things. Mm -hmm. And I use the illustration that a lot of people, when we do our judgment, we tend to judge people on the basis of our strengths. And I still believe that's true, Romans 2 notwithstanding. But if we, if we were to drill down into the things that we judge people about, if we drilled down into um, you, you said you would get the cleaning and pick this up from the store, and I planned everything on that. You didn't do it, and it's closed tomorrow, and now we're stuck. And so there's this mm -hmm. judgment of your failure to follow through. Um, that moment... I think that what if we went to Romans 2, what, what the Lord would tell us is, if I drill down into the ways that you have fallen short, I can find your neglect of other people to be the very same thing. You have a command from me to do thus and such to your son. You have a command to do this and such to your neighbor, and you haven't done it. So do you want me to judge you with the same harshness with which you judge mm -hmm. them and to have the same resentful heart towards you? And we, the one way we know it's God I mean, this is why I lean toward, this is the main biblical reason I lean towards thinking this is God rather than man, besides the fact that I can't find anything clear in the context is, in, in Matthew chapter 6, in the Lord's Prayer, and again in Matthew 18, in verse 35, we have Jesus saying, if you don't forgive others, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Mm -hmm. Now, people struggle with that is yeah. they say, well, does that mean that you don't go to heaven? Does mm. it mean you hope? No, mm. it, but it does mean there's a break in the fellowship because you failed to apply the gospel with someone else. I will allow you to experience the, the breakdown in our relationship. Mm. And so for that reason, I think the judgment of seven likely hinting back to chapter six and verse 13, 14, that he's saying you're, you're not going to experience the very forgiveness that you want to experience. Mm. So I think, so in, in essence, it can be a consequence of even a discipline of the hypocrisy. Like he's he's exposing the hypocrisy and then letting you experience the consequences of yeah. that. Yeah. And maybe it's like this. When you judge someone like that, you tend to withhold yourself from them and you tend to demand something of them and you tend to, and I think then... That is what we experience in a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Not that he, I mean, he's still open to me, but what I experience is the judgment I foist on someone else. I, 
and I don't know how this happens, but I think there's something inside of us that communicates one way or another, I'm broken from God in the same way. So I think one thing about people holding on to resentments from the previous week is they experience, without being able to put their finger on, they have a hard time resting in the grace of God. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because by them not forgiving, they're not experiencing Hmm. grace. Well, that leads to another submitted question. And before I read the question, I'll give a little background. There's an assumption, I think, that this Matthew passage of judging is almost judging sin in others. So maybe you can address that. However, it's going to the Ephesians 4 passage. So let me read that passage, then yep. I'll read the question. Sure. So Ephesians 4.29 was yep. a key passage that yep. a lot of your content hinged on. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. So the question is, how does this Ephesians passage correlate with what Jesus was saying in Matthew 7 of judging? Mm-hmm. Because uh, unwholesome word from your mouth can be anything. Mm-hmm. It can, and, and judgment can be anything. So maybe there's a definition of judgment and what that looks like because there, there can, just for example, there could just be, oh, I just, I'm going to think kind of bad of somebody because of the way they look you know, right. or something like that. right. that's casting judgment. Right. Then there's the, the issue of uh, I'm casting judgment because that person is sinning against mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So there's a level of the sin component of being the judge and jury yeah. Yeah. Uh, of that. So can you, the question is essentially correlate, where did the Ephesians 4 passage connect with yeah. the Matthew 7 well, passage? There, yeah, there are a couple of elements to that question. It's really a, a great question. First of all, the direct, the direct connection is, if you were to look back in um, verse 17 through 24 of Ephesians 4, he basically says, um, you ought no longer work. You ought no longer walk as Gentiles walk. That mm. was the, that's yeah. the essential message of 17 through 24. But look at where it begins in verse 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth with each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So there he's saying that apparently people have been allowing their hearts to hold on to falsehood. Like I believe one form of falsehood is acting like everything is going fine when it's not fine. Mm-hmm. That's a form of falsehood. And he's saying the contrast of laying aside falsehood is speak truth with each one, but do it because you're members of one another. Mm. Do it do it because of that. And then he says, be angry. In other words, why would you be angry? Why is he telling you to be angry? Well, it's because the stuff that goes on in our relationships, um, the, the, the stuff in our relationships is the kind of stuff that we experience where we get angry. And he's saying, be angry. In other words, there's some unrighteous things that people Mm. do. I don't blame you for being angry about that. But he says, yet do not sin. Mm -hmm. In other words, is it possible to see something someone else does and to realize that is just not right? Mm -hmm. That is directly opposed to the heart of God. Mm. Yeah, Mm. that that is justifiable to be angry. But he's saying, yet do not sin. Mm. Now, he just gives one example of the sin. He actually is going to give more as the passage goes on. But the first example he gives is, do not let the sun go down in your anger, meaning don't hold on to the grudge. Mm -hmm. And the reason he he tells you is a spiritual reason, because you'll give the devil an opportunity. So in our immediate context, we have people speaking truth and people holding grudges. And so by the time, then we go on to uh, verse 27, I mean 28, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather labor, 
permit, uh, performing with his hands that which is good, so he may have something to share. And then verse 29, which I believe is still an elaboration on 25, which in turn is an extension of everything in 17 through 24. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word is good for edification, everything you just read. And then look at verse 30, because this is a continuation mm -hmm. of yeah. 29. Right. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Well, how do you grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, one way is by not applying the gospel to someone else, mm. thereby allowing Satan to have a foothold in mm -hmm. your life. Mm -hmm. That will grieve the Holy Spirit because mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit wants to remember this passage began in chapter 4 and verse 1 that says, um, um, Walk in a manner, manner worthy, worthy of the calling with the calling with which you've been received, with yep. all humility and meekness, bearing with one another in love, carefully preserving the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Hmm. So he's saying that's what the Holy Spirit wants. And now he's saying in verse 29, but there are times where you have to speak the truth. Mm -hmm. And and those times, by the way, if people wonder, uh, this was one of your under questions, yep. you had... I think you had two main questions uh -huh. with three under questions, but <laughs> exactly. one of the under questions was, why would we think that necessarily that speaking to people about areas of offense and speaking about sin are the same? Because if I'm confronting for somebody, somebody for anything other than sin, I think there's a problem. Right. I, I really do. I mean, right. look at the Ten Commandments. Four of them were to God. Six of them were to mankind. Jesus says the whole law is summed up in this, love your neighbor as yourself. So apparently the issue of our relationships is the predominant place we're going to sin. So when it comes to confronting somebody, if I'm confronting them over a preference and I'm not confronting them over, a, uh, over something that is genuinely sin that mm -hmm. shouldn't be overlooked, mm -hmm. well then, of course I'm dealing with sin. Of course, sin, then that's at, the problem. Look at how this yeah. passage finishes. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Okay, how might I grieve him? Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other as God in Christ has forgiven you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the question of whether or not this applies to when you go and confront somebody, um, I, I think it's very consistent. Now, the one question you asked at the very beginning was when it says do not judge, how do we know that's talking about necessarily a relational issue? Mm -hmm as opposed to just some other sin. Mm -hmm. Legitimate question. I think it applies to both. Okay. Um, uh, I chose because of the, um, because of the portion of uh, judging them while dealing with a beam in your own eye that shows up most in relational confrontation. Mm -hmm. Now, if somebody, else, if somebody else was a drunkard and they kept taking this liberty that they think they have with alcohol to a place that they sin against God, I may have a place of going and speaking to them. Mm -hmm. And and so that might not have anything to do with the relationship, but I'm applying uh, Matthew 7 to relationships, although it can certainly apply to other less relational things. Mm. That's great. And I loved how you brought out to how important it is for us to be for the other person. And that uh, when you have a hypocritical heart, you're not, you're for yourself. But when those barriers break down and you uh, walk in that humble attitude and you genuinely are for that other person. It's for their goodness, for their grace, uh, for their relationship with God uh, as well. And I just think that that's, if people, I just know in my own life, when I know that people are for me, I'm willing to listen yeah. Yeah. versus if I think that they're yeah. against me, I'm not going to give them 
a time the time of day. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Do you have any other questions? Because I think I've got one more, but we're we're running short on time. Yeah, but go I want you go ahead with yours. This might yeah. be an easier answer, and it's a simple one. But are we looking at just um, applying these passages to believers, mm. or are the submitted questions, wow. are we looking yeah. at applying this passage to a non-believer? Great. And if so, or if not, then what's the difference? That's great. Um, that's really great. Um, I think that you still apply, like, for example, uh, and, and others may have different views on this, but I think that when you have a relationship with somebody, and it's a interdependent relationship, it might be a spouse, it might be a brother, it might be a sister, it might be a, a friend. Once again, you overlook a great deal. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when there's something egregious that is going to hurt their own family or is going to hurt them or is going to hurt someone else or has even hurt the whatever has been built up in the relationship, I think I can still do the same thing with a non-believer that I do with a believer. Mm -hmm. um, but um, in other words, I still deal with a beam in my own eye. I still don't have a judgmental attitude. Mm -hmm. I still consider how to use my words in a way that's edifying and a way that gives grace so that if I'm speaking to a non-believer, that sin that I address with them could actually be the means by which they come to see mm -hmm. their need for Christ. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm not going to stay away mm -hmm. from those topics mm -hmm. just because somebody's not a Christian. Um, the biggest difference is that if I'm doing it with a Christian, I have an extra thing I'm able to do that I can't do with a non-Christian. And that is, I'm able to say to a Christian, um, Jeremy, um, I've gone as far as I know to go here. The only other thing I know to do is bring somebody else in the body. Or if I've already done that, to say, Jeremy, um, I've gone as far as I can go. Hmm. And so I need to turn this over to the Lord. And I want you to know that's not a good thing. And the reason I say that is for two reasons. And I've actually had this exact conversation. Hmm. Um, two reasons. One, because according to 1 Corinthians 5, it's turning somebody over to Satan for God to deal with their flesh, but ultimately to bring them to repentance. Mm -hmm. And I believe that is a very hard thing, but I'm going to do that with you. And, uh, and I love you, but there's going to be a break in the relationship because you've chosen to hold on to the sin. Second passage is uh, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 26 to the end where it, it talks about the fact that when it talks about how God deals with sin and how he deals with his people, uh, it says he's a holy mountain and, uh, and that it's like touching fire. Hmm. And it says, uh, if, if God deals this way, how much more severe will his judgment be? Hmm. Those who have um, been under the blood of the lamb, under the blood of the covenant, and, um, and he goes on to say there will be a, a, a judgment. It's not judgment as in hell, but it means somehow God is going to bring weight of their sin against them. And so I tell people, I love you, but uh, there's nothing more I can do here. And hmm. so that's the one extra thing I can't do with an unbeliever. Another thought just came to my mind that it's probably a given, but you can point a believer to the grace and the forgiveness mm -hmm. and the love that God has first given them. Which you can actually do to a non-believer too, because you can preach the gospel. You can preach the gospel in that way, but at least to maybe point it to a level of okay. Do, do you remember what you've been saved yes. from? Yes, you know, yes, and, yes. And who you are in Christ and yeah. what He's done for you. Believer might not understand it completely at that moment, but right. I like the idea of pointing them to the gospel as a means to their salvation. 
good. That's that's great. Um, wow, yeah. this is a lot of good Pro- stuff here. Proverbs uh, nine eight. Uh, Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. And I think that some like in those hard situations when you're confronted, that that is love. And if you do reverse roles, if you were the one in that spot the most loving thing someone could do is to confront you in that yeah. way. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's good. I, um, and by the way, what you just said is the echo of verse six in the Matthew seven passage. Yes. When he says about, hmm. uh, don't throw, pearls, don't yes. throw your pearls before mm-hmm. it's the same thing. Right. It's, right. The, the, the whole thing is so convicting and Psalm 139, 23 is what has mm. been on my heart the mm. last couple of days since mm. hearing this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me mm-hmm. and lead me in the way everlasting. That's so great, Alicia. Yep. So I think that could be the prayer of our heart <laughs> coming right. out of this. That's good. Uh, yeah. Well, our, our conversation here is hopefully inspiring and encouraging everyone watching and listening to to continue to dig deeper into Scripture, to continue to pursue peace with one another, and what does that really look like for the peace God has given us, right. so then we can flow out to others. So, thank you, John, and well, don't be guys. a stranger. We'll get you back in the pulpit sometime <laughs> yes. soon, sure and here on our sure sermon spotlight. You know, and I, there's I can continue to point people to the website fbcva.life/overflow is where you're going to find all the resources for the focus. The next event coming up is this coming Friday. It's another fellowship together event, an evening of song. One of the one another's is to speak to one another in song, spiritual songs and hymns, and sing to one another. So, how can we grow in our understanding of what it looks like to sing to one another? and and experience a night of song and singing together. So that's going to be this coming Friday night. Go to the website for those details as well, 7 o'clock. That's going to be in the lower-level auditorium. It's a change of plans. So lower-level auditorium for that this coming Friday night. And again, all the other events and activities over the next couple of weeks and months to come. You know, even the guests who's coming to dinner, sign up for that. Mm Go, go get to know others in our body. It's going to be really cool, really neat. So there's plenty of things here that will hopefully grow. I'll just point out another one, idea cards. If you haven't grabbed the idea card in the home center, yeah. there's 20 different one another passages that you can use as devotionals. Mm-hmm. So I, I can go on and on, guys, but I will pause now. <laughs> so thanks for listening and watching. Continue to submit your questions because we love engaging with you, the audience. So the fact of the matter, guys, is that sermons are not meant to take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love and God bless.